0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. You know, I met Jordan. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you some story. I'm not going to tell you some dirt. I'm just going to tell you some stories. And the fact of the matter is, is that Jordan, I was talking to his pastor before he, before he came to work for us at Destiny, Larry Stockstill, Bethany Church, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I said, Larry, we don't have a youth pastor, and I need a number one draft choice. Don't give me some, uh, give me a number one draft choice for a youth pastor. Before I could even say it, word out of his mouth, Jordan Tarda. I said, well, give me his name, give me his number, I mean, I want to be able to reach him. Gave me his number. I said, Jordan, hey, Steve and Destin, would you come by and just check us out and see what's going on? And let me just tell you something. God brought him and fused him to our church and he became a spiritual son, a son of the house. You say, what does that mean, a son of the house? It just means he became a part of our family. How many of you know that you don't just go to church, you're part of a family? The Bible says God places the lonely in family. Because church is family, and family is church, and you're part of a great family, and you have a, a leader in Jordan, and ch- leaders in Jordan and Ashley, and I want you to give them a greater honor. Come on, put your hands together. We love y'all. No, no. Y'all are worthy of it because they rock. Y'all know that, Right? And he's a, such a great preacher. I was watching the sermon that he did on Follow Me, and I just thought it was just awesome. But I just want you to know, there's such a connection between our church and your church. I was, first service, okay? Lady comes up to me. She said, thank you so much for, the, for helping plant this church. And I said, How, what, what do you mean? She says, well, you know, um, uh, my sister-in-law goes to Destin at the Destiny Church where you, where you pastor. And... Um, She said, she told me about this church. I I was lost. I just lost my husband uh, in COVID. I had no hope. I had no hope. I had no future. I was saddened until I found Experience Church. They found hope. Come on, she's finding healing and she's finding home right here. Come on, celebrate that, you guys. Y'all are part of something. I want you to realize you're a part of something bigger than you realize and it's impacting a city, and I believe it's going to impact our nation. And I believe that this church, being multicultural, being multigenerational, is going to really leave a strong footprint in this city. Amen. And I just want to give honor to where honors do because he has always honored me. And uh, but I want you know, I want to honor him because when he came to me many years ago, and he said to me, "He said, hey, Pastor, I really feel like God's called me to go plant a church." And uh, I said, I said, well, I, I know there's such a gift on his life, and there's such a call on his life. And I said, where are you thinking about going? And he mentioned something, you know, near New Orleans. I said, why would you want to go there for? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just thinking about New Orleans. Is you know, I've heard that I should pick five cities and and you know, go visit them and pray and fast over these cities and figure out where I'm supposed to be. I said, can I have one of those five? I said to him, and he goes. And I said, sure. I said, I want you to pray about Tallahassee because it's been a burden in my heart. There's so many people from Tallahassee that come here. I mean, from Destin to come to Tallahassee. And it's not just our college students, but it's just reaching a city. And I've been hearing business people have come here and there's marketplace ministry. It's a, it's a, it's a broad mix. It's not just college and it's a family, it's a church. It's, it's adults, it's young and old. And I said, I just really feel a burden for Tallahassee. And I said, would you go? And he came and he prayed. And uh, I want you to know his obedience to just pick this city and to move here and to plant his family. And to come, Jordan and Ashley, I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. And you can celebrate Jesus on that one. Thank you for being such an amazing man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I I want you to open your Bibles, all right? I want you to turn there, click there. And uh, our hallmark scripture is Luke chapter 9. So find Luke 9, and I'll get to Luke 9 in a minute. But I want to just talk you. We've been talking about follow, about follow me, right? Everybody say, follow me. follow me. All right. Pastor Jordan taught last week about follow me. And he said, there's a lot of things that the world is telling you to follow. But the reality is, we're not called to follow people. We're not called to follow our heart, like he said in week one. He said, we're called to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I loved how he launched with, you know, the theme like, well, just follow your heart. No, you don't just follow your heart because you guard your heart, like he said, and your heart can be deceived and lied to. Come on. And you go off track and you got to be careful that we follow Jesus. Here's our theme scripture. It's on the screen. It's on, your, it's on your iPhone. It's in your Bible. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, themselves, take up their cross daily and, come on, finish it with me, everybody follow me, follow me. And how important it is for us to follow Jesus, the example that he has set for you and I to live our life for him. And uh, today he, today he wanted me to share on, there's a world phrase that says, follow the money. Follow the money. Come on, follow the money because that's where you're going to become really successful. The reality is we're not called to follow money. We're called to follow Jesus. But the world makes us feel like if we follow money, we'll become a success. We're not called to become a success. We're called to live a significant life. So many times we confuse success with significance. They're totally two separate. Significance is that God is using me in a mighty way to make a difference in this world. Success is all about me. And I'm supposed to deny myself. And, 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 And that's totally contrary to what he said. It's not about fulfilling myself. It's about denying myself and following him. And we've got to learn how to follow Jesus and not follow the money, whether you're successful, whether you're, whether you're in college and one day you'll have your own career and you'll, God's going to bless you, whether you're already success, uh, you know, successful in doing things. The reality is it's God's calling us to be a, live a significant life by following Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. And we're not going to follow our hearts. We're going to follow Jesus. We're not going to follow the money. We're going to follow Jesus. And I, I think it's important because... In 1 Timothy 6.10, check this verse out. It's pretty sobering, all right? Check this out. For the love of money is the root of all evil. How many of you have heard this scripture? The love of money is the root of all evil, which some have coveted after. In other words, some have followed after, have gone after it so hard and so fast and so furious, they've coveted after it, that they've Earned from the faith. They've gone off the rails. They've gone over the guardrails. They're no longer walking with Jesus. Money is their God. Money's in their heart. Money's in their pursuits, not Jesus. They've left the faith and they've pierced themselves through with many what? Say it, everybody. In other words, it disappointed them. Money promises you something that only God can give you. And why am I sad? Because you didn't follow Jesus, you followed money. You didn't didn't follow him. And this is why God is calling us to follow him. And how do we do that? By getting money out of our heart and moving it into our hands. Because if it's in our heart, we're gonna worship it. Come on, somebody. If it's in our heart, we're gonna just be enthralled with it. We're gonna be so enamored with it. It'll be our ultimate pursuit. But if I can get money out of my heart, heart and into my hands, now all of a sudden I can begin to shift from following money to a message I've entitled today, living a life of generosity. I don't want to live my life pursuing money. I want to live my life being generous. And that means let me just give you a natural picture. Because if I'm following after money I'm going to follow the money I'm going to be like this. I'm in pursuit to grasp something, to get something. I'm chasing it like crazy. But the reality is, if I'm going to live a life of generosity, I'm going to live like this. Come on. Here I am. Here's the picture of Jesus. And before you know it, this is how Jesus looked on the cross. Come on, somebody. And I want us to live a life of generosity. I want us to live that life. And, And there was a radical picture in the Bible I mean, a a radical picture in the Bible. Those of you watching online, there was an incredible picture of something that happened, not because... Peter, in the book of Acts, asked for it, demanded it. It was just a spontaneous, radical move of generosity in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell. People got saved. They were like, oh my gosh. And something happened to them in Acts 2.45. Here it is on the screens. It says, they sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had. Come on, say the last word, everybody. So here's what they did. They lived a life, not following money, but loving people and following Jesus and meeting needs by living their life like this. This is it. This is the life I want to live. And I want to unpack what this... Li- how do I get here? It's easier said than done. But how do I get here? And I've defined generosity for you note takers in, in, this, in this note right here. Generosity is getting outside... Of yourself. I believe it's the next slide. It's getting outside of yourself. I got to get outside of myself. And I need to start thinking not just of myself. Because money really becomes your God. Then you become, you know, uh, enthralled with that. So you find yourself getting outside of yourself. And you begin to live a life of generosity. I want to live that life. And I, I want to just unpack to you today. Five components generosity. How do I get there? How do I move money out of my heart, come on, and into my hands? And when it's in my hands, how do I live like this and not like this? Is that all right, everybody? I want you to just journey with me for the next, you know, I've already burned 11 minutes. So half of that was the video, all right? So you need to add some more time on my clock. I'm just joking. Uh, How do you get there? How do you get how do you get to this? Number one, write this down. I really believe it'll speak to you in your life. First and foremost, the revelation of generosity. You say, What's that word mean? What does the word revelation mean? It means an eye-opening experience. It means an aha moment. I see it. I get it. I couldn't see it before, but I see it now. I realize something that I've never realized before. Pastor, what is it that I've realized? It's simple. And I want you to bring that key thought. I know I'm out of order, but it's this. I've received more than I'll ever give. Come on. You have received more than you'll ever give. You're like, are you serious? Yeah. From Almighty God. Life, health, blessings, acceptance. He's welcomed you into his family, seated you in heavenly places, adopted you, loved you, has a home in heaven for you. You just think about all that God has done for you, given his son for you. My goodness. He's done so much for all of us. Yes or no? Come on. Yes or no? And he's done so much. How in the world am I going to ever have this attitude? Well, I don't want to, I don't know if I should live like this. What, do I have, what have I gotten? I've received more, come on, than I'll ever give. And when that happens, check this out. I believe this happens. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 tells us this one thought. So let each one give as he's purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly, which I love that verse. Don't do it, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Uh, not because I have to. But God loves a, come on, finish it with me, everybody, a what, a cheerful giver. Well, how do you become a cheerful giver? Only when you have the aha moment and the eye-opening experience. I've received more from God than I'll ever give. As a matter of fact, let me get out of giving and let me use the word forgiving. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really think you're gonna forgive someone more than God has forgiven you? And the answer is no. Because the Bible says when we've broken one law, we've broken all the laws. When we've done something with in a, when we've done something in action, or whether we've done something in our heart, it's still it's still sinful. Come on, somebody. If I've looked at a woman, it's wrong. If I've touched a woman other than my wife, it's wrong. Come on. It's wrong. And the Bible says you have, we have broken more laws. We have violated more things, have had more wrong attitudes, have been jealous and hateful and spiteful and gossiping. We have been forgiven more than we'll ever forgive. Come on. And this is why so many people will say, like, I just can't forgive my husband. I can't forgive my friends. And I just can't forgive. Like, they're like this with their forgiveness. And I'm like, how can you not forgive? Because you've received, come on, more than you'll ever give. So I can't live like this with my forgiveness. I got to live like this. You say, well, pastor, it's hard. Well, I know it is. And we'll talk about that at the end. No, it's not easy to do this, but how many you know if we 're going to follow Jesus, we're going to get there. Come on, somebody. We're going to get there. We're going to put it in our heart to get there. Let everyone do that. You know I was telling, we have five campuses, and we're going to launch our sixth in Navarre soon. We're just along the Gulf Coast of Florida, you know what I'm saying? And uh, when we launched Panama City. Beach, Florida, a campus there. Pastor Wayne was there, and worship was strong, just like your worship was like here. Just, I mean, you know, your worship is amazing here. And uh, they were, and, and, and worship was great, and Pastor Wayne got all caught up in everything, and, 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 and so he, it was a great service, but he called me up one day, and he said, Pastor, I need to tell you something that happened. I said, okay, go ahead. I said, I, I wanted you to hear it from me. I didn't like the sounds of that. I said, go ahead. And then he said to me, I promise it'll never happen again. How I many you know that my mind went to about a hundred different things? You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here thinking, because how I many you know that everyone's always one step away from stupid? <laughs> You're only one step away from it, you know. And I thought to myself, my goodness. And I said, well, what is it? He said, Pastor, I got caught up in the worship. I got caught up in the, prayer times I forgot to take up the tithes and offerings at church I said oh thank God thank God that's all it was (laughs) because my mind went everywhere you know and I said oh thank God that's all it was I said wait two things man number one just let it go let it go Let let it go let it go because those that know they've received more than they'll ever give will bring it to church They'll bring it next week. They'll go online. They they, they have the aha moment that they'll bring it to church. I said, you're fretting over nothing. Let it go. He goes, oh, pastor, that is so awesome. You're so gracious. He goes, what's the next thing? I said, don't ever let that happen again. (laughs) Can you're sorry. No, no, no. I'm serious. No, but the reality is this. When you know that you've received more, come on, than you'll ever give, you'll live like this. Rather than living like this, trying to follow money. Can I hear a good amen? Number two, the motivation of generosity. The motivation of generosity. What motivates you? What drives you? To become a success? Or to have a life of significance? A life of significance is reaching people all around me. It's as if success is about me. But if I'm going to get outside of me, as I've defined generosity, it's not about me being successful. It's about me living a life of significance and impacting lives around me. That's what we want to do. Come on. That's what experienced Church is here for. We're here to give of our time and of our treasure and of our talent like this so we can reach people for the glory of God. We want to reach lost people. We want to heal hurting people. We want to give a home to people. And then what's our motivation? See, when I first got saved, and I believe when you first got saved, you prayed this prayer. When you got radically touched by God. God, I want you to use me in any way you can. Come on, did you pray that? God, use me as much as you can. Well, that's the motivation of living like this. I want to live my life like this. It's more than just, a, it's not just about money. Yes, it's a part of money, but it's not just my, my treasure. It's my talent. It's my time. It's me giving of all myself because I want to impact somebody. The Bible tells us that Jesus told us two stories. One of a rich man who was all about himself about success and he just he said you know what I'm so rich I'm so blessed I'm gonna tear down my barns and I'm gonna build bigger ones I'm gonna get rid of that five-bedroom home and I'm gonna give me a 10-bedroom home and I'm just gonna get, live a life of luxury and all about myself and I'm gonna tell my soul soul you've got so many goods laid up for you just take thine ease you know enjoy life and the Bible says God came to him that day and said you fool Now, when God calls somebody a fool, we should take notice. He said, you fool. Who's this going to be? What have you done with all your stuff? You've not lived a life of significance. He didn't say it like that, but here it is in this next verse that you'll see in Luke chapter 12. He said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, living like this, everybody, and is not, come on, finish it with me, rich toward, how are you rich towards God? other than living a life of significance like this, helping the people that God loves. Helping the people that God wants to reach. Living a life of significance. But then he told, we're told of another story of a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. He's different than this rich man because he knows that Jesus is dead hanging on a cross. It's dark, it's Passover, and there he is, hanging, lifeless, on a cross. And he uses his influence and his money, and he knocks on Pontius Pilate's door, and he says, I want that body of that man taken down off that cross and given a decent burial. He does not need to just sit there and rot on the cross. Now, no one could, check this out, no one could demand an audience with Pontius Pilate in that moment. Not Peter the fisherman, not Andrew, not James, not John. Only someone whom God had raised up and blessed with means and with influence to make a difference in somebody else's life. See, when God blesses you, or if you are blessed, and in one day you will be blessed, he's going to raise you up to make a difference in somebody's life. And he gets that body of Jesus down off that cross. Check it out. Wraps it, anoints it, and places it in his own tomb. Now, he doesn't know this, but he's fulfilling prophecy in the Old Testament. He's fulfilling prophecy in the Old Testament, or Let's say it this way. The destiny of Jesus that Jesus himself couldn't fulfill. He's dead. And now this man takes him and places him in his tomb and the Bible tells us, check it out, to fulfill the scripture that he made his death with sinners and his grave with the rich. Jesus in no way, shape, form, or fashion could have fulfilled his destiny or his prophecy Unless someone lived a life like this. Come on. I want to live like this. How about you? I want to change. I want God to use me. How about you? I want, I want to be, live a life of significance. Not following money. That's success. I want to follow Jesus and live a life of significance. The motivation. Number three. It's the compassion of generosity. The compassion of generosity. So, so important. How many of you have seen the movie The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock? You know, how many of y'all have seen Let me see your hand. You've seen that movie. Yeah, it's on every night. It was on last night. That movie is on all the time. Have you noticed that? It'll probably be on tonight. It's crazy, but I was watching it last night and you know, there she is. She's trying to talk Southern, which doesn't do too good of a job doing that. but, But she's... What I love about her compassion was there she was with her and her husband and her son in this beautiful Mercedes SUV, dry, in a pouring rain. And they drive by a big old black boy whose clothes is in a Walmart bag. And she says, stop the car. And they stop the car. And she says, put it in reverse. Pick that boy up. And the story would go on how she would bring him into her house. Give him a roof and a covering. Adopt him. You know the story. Adopt him. Seat him around her table. Feed him. He owned a bunch of Taco Bells. He thought he was in heaven eating all the bean burritos he could eat for free. (laughs) But what was beautiful about that story was she had such compassion. Because she could have said, she said to herself, that could be me. You know, that's what compassion is. When, you, when, you, when some passion rises up in your heart, when you comp, when you compare, when you begin to realize that, boy, that could be me. And you put yourself in somebody else's shoes and you say, how can I not give them a place to stay? How can I not give of my time, my treasure, my talent? How can I not help somebody? You know one of the most beautiful thing is? Jesus came to earth and put himself in our shoes. Come on. And had compassion for you and I like never before. And not only did he, he, did, did he come, he adopted us like she did him. He, she, he has seated us in heavenly places like she sat him around her table. That Christ has come to bless you and I. The Bible tells us, look at this verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. In other words, what Christ did was this. He left all of heaven and became you and I so he could die for us, love us, enrich us, adopt us, and seat us in heavenly place. Why? Because he has a compassion. That's why he didn't live his life like this, but he lived his life like this. Am I making sense, everybody? And this is, the, this is one of the components of getting there. Oh, I see it with revelation. And now I have a, a motivation. I want to help people. But there's an empathy in my heart towards helping those that don't have something. Like the food that y'all were filling up and raising. And all the backpacks that you do. And how you reach people all throughout Tallahassee. That you have a compassion for those that don't have what you have. Spiritually, materially emotionally, we give ourselves of that. You know, Jackie and I are, man, there's, people took us in. When I was called to go to Bible college, my dad wasn't too excited about that. (laughs) And so he's like, well, you're on your own, boy. And I was gonna live in my car till a friend of mine named Don gave me one of his bedrooms in his two-bedroom townhome. And Jackie, when She needed to get out of Orlando because it wasn't the healthiest place in the surrounding. Somebody gave her a room in Destin. And someone did this with an extra bed in a bedroom for us. So when we were raising our kids, we probably probably raised seven, eight sons and daughters. Victor, my natural son, didn't have his own bedroom. (laughs) He's got issues with me, but he'll get over them. But I'm like, hey, how can we not give somebody an extra bed? Y'all, I'm just telling you, it's compassion is so vital. So vital. And that's in our hearts. That's why we do what we do. Number four, the conviction of generosity. You have to really believe something, and that's this. This isn't just the posture of me releasing something. It's also a posture of me. Positioning myself to receive something from God. Come on. If I live like this, God, here, take my life. God, here, take my time. God, here, take my tithe. Here, God, take my talent. And then God says, well, while your hands are still open, what if I put something in it? And by the way, you'll never give me more than I'll give you. Because you'll always receive more. Come on, the first one, the revelation. I've always received more than I'll ever give. i got to believe in my heart. When you live like this with your time, treasure, and talent. I'm telling you, God's going to do something incredible. Philippians nine says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I remember there was a time our church had a need. We had land next door that was for sale. We needed to buy it to expand our parking. It was like Destin is just crazy expensive, you know? And I mean, this land was like, I don't know. At that time, it was three million. It might have been three trillion. It didn't. It was three million bucks. And we needed to put down 10%, which was $300,000, to buy this, this, this property to expand our park. We didn't have it, we had 30 grand. And there was a need that I knew. That was part of a fellowship of churches that was wanting to start an inner city work in a city. And I said, well, you know, I know we need 300,000. All we got is 30,000. I said, let's just sow it. Let's just sow it. And we sowed it. We sowed it. We let it go. We're like, well, what's the difference? If we need 270 or 300, it's still a lot of money. We were doing a newcomer's luncheon at one time. And this one guy said, Pastor, can I come by and see you tomorrow? I want to just ask you some questions and talk to you. And I thought, okay, sure. And he came by and he saw me. And he was asking me a bunch of questions about the church and what was going on. And then he said, I want to just give you a tithe. This is going to be our church. We made that decision, my wife and I, in church. We came to your newcomer's luncheon. and He gave me a tithe. Check this out. The tithe was for $200,000. I looked at it and I said, God. You're 100,000 short. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? Instead of me rejoicing and being grateful, I'm sitting here moping that God, don't you know what I need? (laughs) I know it. It's terrible. (laughs) Two weeks later, I get this FedEx package from a man. Who had a daughter who got pregnant out of wedlock? Then go to our church. And um, I talked his daughter into saving the baby rather than aborting the baby. And I said, uh, let's put this baby up for adoption. Let's raise him. And I don't know how, but something moved on his heart. And I opened up his letter, and there was a check for $100,000. And together, they made $300,000. My God shall supply all your needs. Now, listen to me. I'm in no way, shape, form, or fashion up here proclaiming a prosperity gospel. Telling you that if you give, we're all going to have beachfront homes and exotic cars. That, look at me. That ain't so. You hear me? Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Now, will God bless us? Yes. Will God bless us to be a blessing? Yes. Yes. Will he bless some to be extravagant givers because they've been extravagantly blessed? Yes. But at the end of the day, I'm just giving you an illustration for this one thing, right? That when you put yourself like this, you're never, never going to outgive God. I have that conviction that whether I'm sharing an extra bed or some extra money, I am going to be blessed. The same way that little boy who shared his lunch fed 5,000 people, because you'll never outgive God. Can I hear a good amen? Last but not least, and I'll close with this the reflection of generosity. How vital it is for us to follow God, because we want to look like God. Come on, don't you want to look like God? I do. I want to look like God. And I, uh, I have this key thought that I want to bring up. Because I believe you never look more like God than when you give. You do. You don't look like, you don't look like God when you're like this. Because he didn't do this with his son. Come on. He did this with his son. Here, take him. Have him for your sins and mine. There's something beautiful about, that's why John 3, 16 is so big. For God so loved the world that he what? You never look more like God than when you give. The Bible tells us in this one slide, and we'll close with this, in Luke, bring up that slide. Jesus was praying. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. He's talking about going to the cross and dying. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Can I just tell you something? It's easier said than done to live like this. Because I'm seeing Jesus struggling to live like this with his life. Then the Bible says that an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, check this out. And being in, say the next word in parentheses, everybody. And being in, say it again. He prayed more earnestly. Then his, say it out loud. Became like great drops of falling to the ground. And I saw it. I had my own aha moment. He was wrestling with what would cost him blood, sweat, And tears. I mean, at the end of the day, where do we think you get that term from? Right here. Wow, it cost me blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, you mean it cost you... It cost Jesus. See, I mean, when when you're having to work late at night and you can't put your kids to bed and you're... You're kind of heartbroken with some tears when you're sweating because you're pouring concrete or framing a home and you're sweating like crazy, you know, in this heat while trying to build a home. And whether, whether, you know, it it just cost you part of your life, part of your blood, part of your time. And you're like, I get it. And then here comes the call. And God says, I want you to go serve on the, on the dream team of experienced church. I want you to give of your tithe. I want, you to, I want you to be a part of a small group leader. And you're like, oh, Lord, it's just too much. And you're reminded that you never look more like God than when you live like this. Because not only did He look like this, then He looked like this. And he went to the cross. And he died for you and I. And I just know this. This isn't the world's way. Come on. This isn't the world's way. Jesus said if you look to save your life, you'll lose it. But if somehow when you lose it, you'll find it. Come on, let's pray together. Bow your heads with me today. Father, thank you that you give us the example. Jesus, thank you that you can relate to us. It's not easy. It's not easy to give what costs us time, treasure, talent, giving a part of our blood, sweat, and tears. But we want to look like you and we want to be used by you. And we'll never give more than you. So Lord, would you help us live a life of generosity, following you, not the love of money, that we would stay on the path of faith and kingdom, no matter how much the world is pulling us off course, that we would stay on course and true, and stay pointed to true north, which is you, and that you would be pleased by the life that we live, and that, Lord, as we just give of our life, and as we give of our time and church and child, Lord, that we would be blessed Lord, that we would be a generous people and that as we're generous, we'll see you just fill our lives with those things that only you can give. Today, I bless this house. I bless this church. I bless everyone in this house. And I just speak the blessing of heaven to just come upon them and overtake them. Use us, God. Use us as a family. Use us as experienced church to make a difference, to reach young, old, black, Why? doesn't matter you only see lost people or saved people may we have a compassion god a compassion for generosity that we're giving of ourselves and of our stuff for a reason and that's for others and to look like you it's in jesus name we pray and everybody said come on give god a great praise today somebody